This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. I'm your host, Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Scout will not operate under the Volkswagen brand. Nissan tells dealers to stop taking orders for the Aria EV. And the 2023 Integra will be Acura's last gasoline-powered new vehicle. Plus, Jamie's conversation with Honda Performance Development President David Salters from the Indy 500. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Volkswagen Group of America will not operate the new Scout EV brand. VW Group of America CEO Scott Keough tells Automotive News that Scout is a, quote, unique and distinctly American brand and therefore will operate independently. Dealers have been peppering VW for answers about how the automaker will distribute Scout EVs. Keough says those answers will come when there's a Scout management team in place. Ford has agreed to sell a manufacturing plant in western India to Tata Motors. Tata is the owner of Jaguar Land Rover. It's looking to ramp up its EV production as the Indian government offers billions of dollars in incentives. Ford and Tata have signed a memorandum of understanding which covers the land, assets, and all eligible employees working at the facility. We still don't know the financial details of the agreement. Nissan is telling dealers to stop taking pre-orders for its new Aria electric crossover. The automaker wants to limit orders based on what it can realistically deliver without making customers wait too long. The Aria is Nissan's second EV after the Leaf. It has faced delays in getting the production line up and running in the face of the pandemic and the ensuing semiconductor shortage. The new model will go on sale in the U.S. this fall. And the 2023 Integra will be Acura's last gasoline-powered new vehicle. It replaces the entry-level ILX compact sedan, but the automaker says the new model will offer a different personality than the more conservative ILX. Acura last offered the Integra nameplate in 2006. It's not clear whether the automaker will continue the Integra into the next phase of electrification. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, you were in Indianapolis for the Indy 500 this past weekend. How was the experience? And what was the environment like for auto industry people at the event this year? You know, it was really exciting. The stands were packed, 300,000 people there. It was all the traditions were back. It was really exciting for folks. And it was a great race as well. And I assume the milk was flowing. It, It was for Scott Erickson. There you go. Coming up, we'll hear Jamie's conversation from the Indy 500 with Honda Performance Development President David Salters. That's next on The Daily Drive. Listen to Fred Hayes, Service Manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, Fixed Operations Director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups and the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. 
And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in, it helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk and the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. David Salters is the president of Honda Performance Development. I got a chance to catch up with him this past weekend, the day before the Indy 500. We talked about Honda's history and culture around racing, what it means for the automaker, and the nature of winning. Here's our conversation. David Salters, welcome to Daily Drive. Let me start with the basics. What is HPD and where do you fit in the racing world? Okay, so David, thank you very much. Um, so what is HPD? So HPD is Honda Performance Development. Our remit is to look after Honda and Acura's North American motorsport. So that involves IndyCar, that involves touring cars, Civic touring cars, that involves F4, F FRA for Honda and uh, Baja Ridgeline. So we have a Ridgeline <laughs> that's super cool that thunders through the desert and actually won the Baja its class last year, uh, Baja 1000. And then Acura, we do IMSA DPI, so really cool closed cockpits, prototype sports cars. IMSA stands yeah. for? Um, so the IMSA is the sort of sports car. Well, let me describe what it is. Okay. So it is basically sports car racing. So it's closed cockpit. So like a GT3, so an NSA mm, or a Ferrari, so they're GT3s. And then they have a prototype class, which looks like sort of Batman's race car, <laughs> which is closed cockpit, but basically underneath is like a super sophisticated prototype car. And they also do some touring cars, but they, and they're normally endurance races. So there'll be six hours, 24 hours of Daytona. Right. That sort of stuff. So that's it. So that's sports car racing. Okay. Typically not open wheel. Um, so we do that for Acura, which is the NSX GT3 and the DPI car. So, so we're here to look after Honda and Acura's North American motorsport, which is obviously a huge market, which is why we're here. We were set up 28 years ago, 29 years ago, to do IndyCar. So when Honda was coming, growing its presence in North America, IndyCar racing was deemed important from a marketing point of view and raise awareness of Honda and show the technology that Honda has. Mm -hmm. But actually, Honda is a racing company at its core. So it's been always very successful at racing. Mr. Honda wanted to take his lovely motorbikes to the Isle of Man. So that culture is embedded inside Honda, a racing culture. But it's there for a reason. It's there to develop people and technology. And um, I love it. So I've worked in different racing companies. I was lucky enough to work at Ferrari and Mercedes and stuff. But Honda has a really pure culture of wanting to do its racing inside and develop its engineers and its colleges inside. We don't just pay someone to go and do our racing. So Honda Performance Development is 250 people who live in Santa Clarita outside Los Angeles. 
with a facility up there that we can do powertrain, clean sheet of clean sheet powertrain design, moving into electrification these days. We can just make our own battery pack and electric motor control and stuff. Aerodynamics, vehicle dynamics, everything you need to make a racing car. We've got machining up there, we've got assembly up there, we've got test facilities up there. So anything we need to do to go and design a racing car and simulate a racing car um, is done in HPD for Honda in North America. This operation here in Indianapolis, how big is it? So then we have a satellite facility here, HPDI. I is Indianapolis, I'm not very, uh, <laughs> not very <laughs> imaginative. Not a stealth code. No, exactly. <laughs> so there's about um, a dozen people here. We do IndyCar. IndyCar is typically based around Indianapolis. So this is a support system for IndyCar teams and we'll give them parts and we'll sort out their engines here and we'll help them. And then we have a simulator, driver in the loop simulator. So like a flight simulator for a race car. Models all the physics of the car. And the teams will come in and test before every race and set their cars up before every race. So we typically have this as a base for a driver in the loop simulator, which is near to the team. So they don't have to fly out to California. Okay. Explain, if you would, how Honda as a maker of engines for IndyCar races, works with teams like Meyershank or the others. Yeah. So actually, HPD, Honda Performance Lab, started out just looking after the engine, but in years past and more recent years, actually a racing car is a sum of parts. It's a powertrain, an engine. There's also aerodynamics, vehicle dynamics. And it's all those bits that each part, if you add them all, will make your car go faster. And it's so competitive these days, you need to look at each part. It's a sum of the parts that makes a car faster. So we do the powertrain, and it's a bespoke racing engine. 2.2 litres, V6, twin turbo, all that sort of stuff, making 700 horsepower, more or less. And we design that. We constantly try and develop performance on it, etc. But we also support aerodynamics. We have an aerodynamics team. And we just opened a new wind tunnel in mid-Ohio. Mm -hmm. Right. In Ohio, Halo, which, um, and we have an aerodynamics group and we do CFD and all that sort of stuff on the car to see what we can find there. And then as you saw, we have a vehicle dynamics group that have driving the loop simulator. So us supporting the IndyCar teams, Maya Shank, we help them with the driver in the loop simulator. We'll help them with aero mapping, is what they call, how to get the best aerodynamically. And then, of course, our, one of our core competencies is the powertrain. So we supply them with a bespoke racing engine, and then we will tune that, develop that, and try and help them be competitive. I mean, as you're explaining there, it's a, a, such a close relationship. Um, my understanding is like they can't even, or they don't even start the engines without an HPD engineer there with a laptop connected to the system. What's yeah. what's all that about? What's the importance of that? Well, the engine will only start above a certain temperature. The clearances and all that stuff are optimized. You can't just switch the engine on <laughs> at 20 degrees C or something. So there, A, we need to preheat these engines. Mm. So they're pre-warmed, cooler-wise, lubricant-wise, all that sort of stuff. Because they are optimized. You want every single kilowatt out of this engine. So the engine, you need to preheat it all properly. There's a sort of a warm-up procedure before you can switch it on. Mm -hmm. And it needs a skilled engineer, technician to do that. So we have people who are trained to know to do that. And then you, the calibration... Um, is often changed. We will 
they run different boost levels depending whether it's an oval or a street circuit. So you basically have to pretty much every different circuit you go to, you will reprogram the ECU and probably like calibrations in and the latest work that we've done that will be uploaded to the engine so that we optimize absolutely everything. That needs someone who will go and do that that understands that. And they're not cheap. So we don't want to break it. <laughs> so, <sorry. laughs> Absolutely. Well, that brings up an important point, right? Obviously, there's a lot of money at stake. There's a lot of talent and engineering and, you know, mechanicals that go into all this. Is it a profitable business? It's racing. It's um, <laughs> as you make a small fortune in racing, you start with a large one. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, no, we, we have tremendous support. Honda is... I can say the reason we do this is people in technology. You asked about the people who actually support the engine. It's a great training ground because it's a real pressure cooker environment. The team will say, what do we do now? What do we do then? The best thing it taught me is prioritization, risk management, all that. So it's a great training ground for our engineers because it's a real pressure cooker. You learn decision making. Yeah. The reason Honda does this is technology and people. So... It's not like we're trying to make money out of it. Although right. we have technical partners, we do some sponsorship, etc. And the world is changing. So we're looking at different business models. But basically, we're part of the marketing budget, shall we say. So we we have a we're we're effectively a cost center with a fixed budget. But that's at our pinnacle racing, where the bang for the buck is on sort of PR and showing what Honda is. But then we also have a commercial side where we make touring cars and we actually sell those. So we have, and we make carts and touring cars. So we have a revenue stream effectively, but I wouldn't say we make a lot of money. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the talent development, I've heard of that at other automakers too, because the deadlines are so strict and the competition is so fierce. You know, we used to think about racing as, you know, improving, you know, carburetors and improving, you know, engine components to make for better, you know, day-to-day cars. Um, but it seems like maybe it's more about developing, you know, engineers and executives of the future. I, I think it probably is. So that it's developing their skills under pressure with very harsh deadlines. I mean, it's every week or two is a race and, you know, the car goes. So you have to be ready. So there's, there's that. Also, it's working as a team. Mm-hmm. This racing business is not rocket science. You, you need a close group of people, like-minded people. So coming back to the talent development, there's having the core competencies, but it's also teaching teamwork. My job as technical director and the president is to get a group of people working very well together, all going in the same direction, more or less the same direction. And that's how racing works. And you can see it. The, the group that works more closely as a team and works together and goes in about the right direction is normally the most successful one. And I think that applies in any business. And then you need decision making. At some point, you need to make decisions, move on. They may or may not be the right ones, but make one. And then you can correct it, but don't not make a decision. So we teach decision making, teamwork, all that sort of stuff. I think motor racing is a good sort of crucible of that type of development. So it's something we feel quite passionate about. David Salters, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. 
Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on performance, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, subscribe, leave a review so you'll never miss an episode.